This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like for you to go with me this evening into the New Testament, into the book of James. The book of James, you'll find that very near to the end of the Old Testament. We come to James chapter number 1 and verse number 19. James chapter number 1 and verse number 19. As we come to the book of James, we find that James is writing to, as he said in verse number one, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. He is writing to those who are believers in the Lord Jesus. He is writing to those who are dispersed because of the persecution that came against the church we read of that persecution in the book of Acts. Uh, among the leaders in that persecution was a man named Saul of Tarsus who was converted on the road to Damascus and became, of course, the apostle Paul. And James is writing to these people who are oppressed and they are suffering persecution. As we come to chapter 1 and verse number 19, the Apostle Paul writes these words, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man should be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse number 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. I want you to notice the first exhortation we find there in verse 19. Let every man be swift to hear. I think that's something that's difficult for most of us, being swift to hear. Usually we're swift to speak. And uh, the warning comes that we would not be swift to speak, but that we would be swift to hear. Uh, usually we get the order uh, sort of uh, out, out of sorts. We're, we're swift to speak, we're swift to wrath, and we're slow to hear. But the Bible tells us it is important for us to be swift to hear, that we be hearers of the word and not doers only. Uh, oftentimes, we uh, spend great hours, and those of us who are called into ministry, and uh, we hear sermons on how to preach, and we are listening and reading books, listening to messages that uh, help sharpen the preacher. But very little is said about helping the hearer. Helping the hearer. 
And uh, I have been blessed to the Lord to have an opportunity to preach uh, many sermons, but in my life, I have heard more than I have had the opportunity to preach. And most of you, uh, that is true for you. you. You spend most of your time listening to sermons. And I think there is a, a danger anytime uh, when we have heard sermons before uh, to come to a point where we begin to tune out what is being preached and what is being said. And oftentimes we like to interject what we think people should do or what we think we should do ourselves and what we agree with and what we disagree with. And we must learn before we do that, we need to be swift to hear. And hearing preaching, hearing Bible teaching is a discipline that we have to work at. And so I'd like to spend a little bit of time with you on how to listen to God's Word. That's the title of this message this evening, How to Listen to God's Word. Now, we're spending time here at the beginning of this year, the beginning of this decade, uh, just looking at the basics. In the morning hours, looking at the basics of the church, and in the evening hours, looking at the basics of Christian living. And so uh, in our pursuit of the basics of Christian living, we've talked about practical evangelism, uh, how that we uh, as believers can live a daily life seeking to win people to the Lord Jesus Christ, seeking to be witnesses as the Lord has called us. And then we looked uh, last week at uh, the subject of, of um, well, it escapes me now. How, how many of you have remembered it? Somebody will get it. Well, there's my quiz, and you've all failed. It was on the basics of spirit-filled living, spirit-filled living. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it mean uh, to live in the power of the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit? How are we to do that? What does that look like? And now we're going to look at uh, the basics of, of listening to preaching, and that is so important because God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save those who are lost. In Acts chapter 2 and verse number 11, the Cretes and the Arabians, among the many who, who were hearing the disciples speak, said this in verse 11, We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. God's plan is that all the world would hear his message. In verse number 14, the Bible said, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken, or listen, unto my words. So it's important that we hear. In verse number 22 of Acts chapter 2, Peter in his message says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. In verse number 37, the Bible said, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And so we understand that that day at Pentecost, 3,000 souls, having heard the word of God, put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we Understand the, the verse that is, is given to us in Romans chapter, chapter number 10. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so it is important that we learn uh, to be disciplined hearers of the word. As you sit in the uh, congregation this evening, uh, there are distractions. Uh, there are thoughts running through your mind. Uh, there are uh, the, the weaknesses and frailties of our flesh to give our attention to someone who is speaking uh, before us. And, and we also have to understand this, that we are engaged in a spiritual conflict where we have a sinful flesh nature that resists the truth of God. 
and we have an enemy, the, uh, the devil, who wants to work to distract us and dissuade us in any way possible from hearing and obeying God's Word. And so we understand that it will require of us effort if we're going to learn how to hear God's Word, how to listen to preaching. And hearing God's Word has more to do with the condition of your heart than it has to do with your ears. And Jesus said, ye that hath ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, if you have a heart that will receive my truth, then listen to my truth. And so may the Lord help us to learn to condition our hearts so that we can receive what God has for us. And the good news is, if, if you look in verse number uh, 21, that the word is powerful in our lives and at the close of verse 21, he speaks of that word. He says, receive with meekness the engrafted word or the implanted word. The picture here is of a seed that is sown, which is able to, read the next three words with me, save your souls. Now, we are born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word. The word in us produces faith to believe and receive, and we are born again. Our souls are redeemed. But Satan wars against our souls even after we are saved. He, he cannot have our soul, but he wars against us. And uh, oftentimes in the world, faced with circumstances and in the struggles and in the battles of life and amidst the temptations to sin, uh, we begin uh, to uh, drift away from God's truth and we have a tendency to give in to those temptations. We have a tendency uh, to grow weak and, and frail. We have a tendency to have problems in our souls difficulties that affects our intellect, our emotion, and our will. And God's Word not only is able to save us eternally, but God's Word is able to deliver us in the midst of our trials and temptations here on this earth. That's why we need to hear the Word of God, because it is the Word of God which has the power to transform our lives. The Bible tells us that we're not to be conformed to this world. That means we're not to be, we're, we're not to think like this world. We're not to behave like this world. Uh, but we are to be transformed into the image of Jesus, conformed to his image. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How can I have my mind renewed? I can have my mind renewed as I hear God speak to me. You see, the word of God that is the mind of God. And if I want to think properly, if I want to handle situations properly, if I want to uh, play the part that I'm to play as a husband or a wife or a child, uh, an employer or an employee, if I am to fulfill my responsibility and honor the Lord Jesus Christ, then I have to learn to think the way God wants me to think and then behave the way God wants me to behave. And the only way that will happen is as I listen to God's word. And Satan, who understands the power of the word, is doing all he can in your life on a daily basis to keep you from hearing it, even as we are seated together in this congregation this evening. And so James helps us to learn how it is that we can hear God's voice, how it is that we can listen to preaching and not only listen to it and say, well, you know, that was a pretty good sermon, or no, that was not such a good sermon, or that story really gripped me, or I thought that illustration was funny. No, the purpose of it is that our lives would be changed. Our souls would be delivered in the midst of this world. And so James is going to help us with this, and I hope you'll write some things down. As I said just a moment ago, hearing God's word has more to do with the condition of your heart than it has to do with the condition of your ears. 
And so as we think about that thought, I want you to write this down. Number one, condition your heart to receive the word. Condition your heart to receive the word. If you have no taste for the word, if you have no interest in the word, that has much to do with the condition of your heart. And so James here begins in verse 19, helping us to learn how we might condition our hearts to receive the word. Let's look at it again together. Verse number 19, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Here he is, uh, James, writing to a persecuted church. And these are people under pressure. And uh, these people under pressure, and when you're under pressure, doesn't that have a tendency to make you a little edgy? And so under pressure, they were edgy. They were angry. And so he tells them, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, verse 21, lay apart. That means to put off, to lay aside. Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now, before I can receive the word, I've got to remove some things from my life. I've got to remove some things from my heart because if I don't, I will not be able to receive what God has for me. Have you ever seen someone who has their hands full and they're trying to carry as many things as they can and, and, and they're trying to get around and, and, and fulfill their function and, and their hands are so full uh, they don't have room to take one more thing? Well, that's the picture uh, uh, that is given here. The, these are people whose, whose hands are full, uh, not of God's truth, but they're full of filthiness and the superfluity of naughtiness. And if they're going to receive what God has for them, then they have to lay some things aside. I, I've thought about this often when I would spend time at my grandparents' house in the summer. They would make those garden suppers. And I had been outside playing all day, and, and I would come in, and my grandmother would always say, wash your hands. Wash your hands. You can't eat at my table unless you wash your hands. And if we want to eat at God's table, if we want to take in God's truth, then we have to learn to wash our hands. We have to learn to lay some things aside in order that we might make room in our heart and our mind to hear what God has to say. So he says here, if you are encumbered with filthiness, now when he speaks of filthiness here, he's speaking figuratively in a moral sense of the dirt and the filth of this world. Do we not live in a dirty world? We live in a dirty world. And it's not just the obvious things that, that we might think about when we think about a dirty world. But we live in a violent world. We live in an angry world. We live in an unhappy world. We live in a world that has turned aside from God's truth and has embraced everything under the sun but God's truth. And that affects our minds. I think about the Bible says of Lot that that righteous man, he, he, he vexed his righteous soul with the filthy conversation of the wicked, the way that uh, the, the people of Sodom not, not just the sin that we all think about in their immorality, but the way in which they lived their lives and conducted their business. It was all filthy. It was all dirty. It was all sinful. It was all immoral. The Greek hearer of Paul's words would have recognized immediately that this word was also used of the wax that so often would fill the ear and impair the hearer. What he's saying is get the dirt out. Get the dirt out. If we want to hear God's word, we have to get the dirt out of our lives. And there are so many things that we encounter on a daily basis that expose us to the dirt. 
Then he said the superfluity of naughtiness. Literally here he's speaking of an abundance, an overflow. That's what the word superfluity means, an overflow of wickedness as an evil habit of mind. As people who live in this world, we often just pick up the ways of the world, the language of the world, the philosophies of the world. And we begin to react not as transformed believers, but as conformed worldlings. And so here Paul is saying, we have to get rid of that stuff. We have to learn to lay that aside. We have to learn to identify it, allow the Holy Spirit to identify it in our lives so that we might confess it and forsake it. MacArthur in his commentary says that it pertains to sin that is deliberate and determined. It may reside in the heart for a long time before being expressed outwardly and may in fact never be expressed outwardly. If therefore, it therefore rather includes many hidden sins that only the Lord and the individual are aware of. What are the struggles that you deal with? What are the thoughts that you have? What are the temptations that uh, naturally come to you because of the sinfulness of your heart? Those are things that we all battle. And we must learn to give that to God. We must learn to lay that aside. Why? So that we can receive the word of God. We are removing the rocks. Remember the parable of the sower? Jesus spoke about the rocky ground, sowing the seed on the rocky ground, sowing the seed uh, on the thorny ground. And the problem with the rocky ground, the, the seed came in but it, and it sprang up, but it would not continue. Why? Because there was no room for it to take root. And if we're going to hear the word of God and be moved beyond some just emotional response and, and, and come to a level of consistent spiritual living, then we have to learn to get the rocks out of our lives. We have to learn to lay that aside Prepare the ground of our heart that there may be room enough to receive God's word. It's a condition of the heart. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are, car are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. Do you know that Satan, who cannot have your soul, as I mentioned a moment ago, if you're a believer, he cannot have your soul, but he will work against your soul and especially your mind to erect strongholds in your life. He can use those areas that you're prone to, that superfluity of naughtiness, to erect a stronghold, an area of your life that seems to be impenetrable an area of your life that it seems that God is not able to break through because you won't allow him to. And the apostle Paul said, we have weapons, spiritual weapons, not carnal, to pull down those strongholds in our lives. Are you dealing with strongholds? Maybe it's a stronghold of unforgiveness and bitterness, a stronghold of, of resentment, a, a stronghold of, of uh, jealousy or or, or envy, a stronghold of lust. Uh, there, there are all types of strongholds. Maybe it's greed uh, that, that Satan will use in our lives. How do we deal with that stronghold? Well, he tells us, verse 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Here's what he's speaking about. He's saying there is a natural resistance in your flesh that opposes the work of the Word of God in your life. There are strongholds that are being erected in your life that are citadels against the work of God and the only way they can be cast down is through the power of God's word as you make room to receive God's truth, as you choose of your own volition 
to lay aside the filthiness and the superfluity of naughtiness, to get the rocks out of that heart, to condition that heart that you want to hear from God. And so condition your heart. Now notice what he says here. And receive, verse 21, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. That's, that's get the rocks out. And receive with meekness. Do you know what meekness is? It is the quality of the heart and mind which recognizes the need to be instructed. I speak to people all the time, especially young people, who need to be instructed. The problem is they don't want to hear it. They desperately need it, but they're defiant against it. I just, I, I, I wish I could, I wish I could help them. I, I wish, I desperately want to. I, I wish I could hit a video player and fast forward and say, this is where this, this path that you're on in this moment of your life is going to lead to this destination. Why don't you listen to what the people who love you are trying to tell you? But you can't help people who won't be helped. Have you learned that? I've tried desperately. But I've learned that until they come to the place in their life where they are willing to hear you, oftentimes what you say is in vain. You see, meekness is the quality of the heart and mind which recognizes the need to be instructed. Read the Proverbs. Instruction is the way of life. If you're not willing to listen, I call it being coachable. If you're not coachable, you know why most people don't want to be coached? Because they don't want to admit they're doing it wrong. Do you know what causes that? Pride, right? Pride. People lovingly say to you, listen, I think you have a problem with this. Oh, no, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> well, maybe you do. And so here we find the, the opposite of pride here is humility, and humility produces a meek spirit, and meekness recognizes the need to be instructed. It is the mindset of someone who is willing to be helped. Meekness accepts God's dealing with us as good, and right. Oftentimes we don't like the situation we find ourselves in and we want to blame God. Or we talk as if God has somehow mistreated us. Meekness receives what God has given us. <clears throat> and if we're going to hear the word of God, then we have to receive it with meekness. When God says, I'm wrong, I have to take it. Right? I can't say, well, it's for the guy three seats down from me. Oh, it's for that so-and-so who's not here tonight. No, it's for us. And we have to be willing to receive the word and know that the word of God, once we hear it, is able. It has the power. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is able to penetrate me and, 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 and slice and dice. And it is able to separate my motives and, and my sinful tendencies. And it is able to reveal to me all that I have masked under a cloak of self-righteousness and say to me, no, 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 wait a minute. There's sin in your life and you need to deal with it. Or you're not being a good husband, and you need to deal with it. Or you're not being a faithful pastor, and you need to deal with it. Or you've got the wrong attitude about so-and-so, and you need to confess it. You see, that's what the Word of God does in our lives. Condition your heart to receive the Word. Number two, 
condition your heart to respond to the word. Notice in verse 22, but be ye, what's the next word? Doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. He's like a guy looking in the mirror. Every time I look in the mirror, I say, who is that old bald guy looking at me? I remember one time I looked in the mirror and I thought, there's, there's Ralph Haney. <laughs> That's my grandfather. That's my mom's dad. I said, wait a minute, that's not me. That's, that's Ralph, ain't he? The mirror reveals to us in brutally honest ways who we are. You know what the Bible does? It reveals to us in brutally honest ways who we are. He is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Now, in the day, I had hair. And I, I not only had hair, I had thick hair. And uh, I remember when I was in high school, we had hat day. And I wore a hat to school. It was hat day. And so after school, we had uh, basketball, and uh, I went into the locker room, and I took my hat off, and I saw myself in the mirror. And do you know what I was uh, conscious of in that moment? I was conscious of the fact that I had hat head or hat hair. How many of you know what that is, right? Hat hair. Yeah, my... My head, my hair, was obviously distorted in all of its beauty. I don't understand why my wife thinks this is so funny. Do you? By the hat. And I'm self-conscious about it. I'm trying to figure out a way to fix it. Because while we're practicing... The, the volleyball team is coming through and the girls' basketball team is coming through and the cheerleaders are coming through. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't want them to see me with this hat head. I got to fix my hair somehow. I got an image to maintain. You see how God deals with your image, right? <laughs> I mean, I got to look good. And so I did everything I could to fix my hat hair. Now, imagine I would look in the mirror and see that and then not do anything about it. You see, when you come to church, when you come to Sunday school and God reveals to you the condition of your soul, the attitude of your heart, the sin in your life, and you just say, well, you know, and you walk away, and you do not address it, you've become a hearer of the word and not a doer. He said, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way. The inference there is doing nothing about what he sees. And straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. He forgot what he looks like. And in God's eyes, and in God's glass, He's got blemishes, and he's got to take care of it. And so you have to condition your heart to respond, not just to be somebody who hears the word, but someone who obeys it, someone who does what God tells you to do. God doesn't speak just so he can speak. God speaks so you will hear. Now, let me just give you some practical things that you can do as you listen to preaching or as you sit in your Sunday school class. Let me give you some practical things to help you. 
as God speaks in his word, number one, listen reverently. Listen reverently. What do we come to God, and and how do we come to God? Uh, How does God speak to us? Well, he does not speak audibly to us. He speaks in his written word. And what we need to understand is that this book is God's written word. It is a book to be revered. It is a book to be revered. It is a book to be read reverently. It is a book that we must learn to pay attention to. Sometimes when the pastor is reading the scripture, we have a tendency to think, well, I I wish he'd just get on with the points. Well, the points come from the Bible. If he can get points that don't come from the Bible, it might be a good idea that you don't listen to him. Because I don't care how winsome a personality, how how uh, tantalizing a, a, an orator or a storyteller he may be, unless he's preaching to you the truth of God's word, he is not a biblical preacher. So as God speaks in his word, listen reverently. Uh, write this reference down, Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 10. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 10. And in that story, at Nehemiah chapter 8, you have Ezra the scribe coming before the people. The walls have been reconstructed in Jerusalem. And Ezra the scribe comes before the people in Nehemiah 8 and verse 3, and he read therein, speaking of the book of the law, he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until the midday. You think I preach long, right? From the morning until the midday. Before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Verse number five, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. This is a demonstration of their reverence for the word of God. Verse number six, and Ezra blessed the word. Bless the Lord, the great God. And the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord God with their faces to the ground. Were they listening? Yes. How were they listening? Reverently and worshipfully. They paid attention to the Bible, they didn't pass it off. They read along if they had a portion of the Scripture. Uh, they, They listened reverently, and they listened worshipfully. They lifted their hands, and they said, Amen, Amen. It's good to say Amen while the preacher is preaching. Because what you are saying is, that's true. This is true. My, My spirit bears witness with that. You're faithfully proclaiming the message that we need to hear. We agree with God. Amen. And so they're listening reverently, and they're listening worshipfully. Let me give you the second thing. Listen reverently. Number two, read along in the Scripture. Take the Bible, open it up, and read along with the preacher. Read along with him. Oftentimes, if you want to learn how to study the Bible, you can listen to what the preacher's saying. You can see how he, is, uh, how he is extracting that truth from God's Word, and you can learn how you can yourself do the same thing. How you can discern the truth from the Word of God by reading it. And so learn to follow along, read the Scripture along. It will help you to stay on course and not be distracted. Let me give you a third thing. Mark your Bible, underline phrases, underline key words. When God speaks to you in your Bible reading, something just jumps out at you. Don't trust your memory. Mark that in your Bible. Make notes so that you remember. So as you listen 
to the preaching of God's word, listen reverently. Read along in the scripture. Mark your Bible. Here's another one. Pray. Pray. Pray that God would use me or whoever happens to be preaching. Pray that God would help you to receive his word. Ask God to help you. If you struggle with being attentive, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. If you're struggling getting what the preacher's saying, ask God to speak to you. If you're struggling because you're tired and you're weary and you're worn, ask God to quicken you, to make you alive by his spirit. Pray. Pray not only for the preacher, not only for yourself, but pray for others. Here's the next one. Learn to take notes. Learn to take notes. I think it's good to write things down. Take notes. Short pencil's better than a long memory, right? Take notes. As you take notes, you're following along with the sermon and the thoughts that are coming from the Word of God. Let me encourage you to do this. Write a statement or two concerning how the Lord spoke through the message specifically to you and what you intend to do as a result of hearing it. Write a statement or two concerning how the Lord spoke through the message specifically to you and what you intend to do as a result of hearing it. I would encourage you to keep those notes and review those notes and review those statements and read them to yourself and pray through them and say, Lord, your word spoke to me this week, and now I want to be obedient to your word. I want to follow your word, and here's how you spoke specifically to me. Lord, help me to perform what you have spoken to me about in your word. You make this a part of your devotional life. Here's the next thing. Repeat the truths which God has spoken to you. In other words, tell others about what you've learned. You know, you can go to work tomorrow or some other day. And you say, man, we had a great day in church yesterday. We had great singing, great fellowship. There was a Bible message. And this is how God spoke to me. You, you, you might surprise the guy next to you. That may be the very thing they needed to hear. Tell other people what you're hearing. Tell other people how God is speaking to you. That's the pattern that Paul gave to Timothy. The things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You're not just simply here to hear me. What a boring lot that would be in life. You're here to tell others. Be a doer of the word. This is next. Be a doer of the word. In other words, practice what is preached. Practice what is preached. Write down how you can put these things into practice as God speaks to you. You know, you don't just unintentionally become a good Christian. That just doesn't happen. George Ritchie is a cabinet builder. He's a woodworker. He made this pulpit. He made that display out there. He, he built a lot of things around here. He didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to do that and go to work and build a pulpit that looks like this. He had to learn. He had to hone his skill. He had to be taught and mentored. He, he had to put things that people told him to do into practice. And, and no doubt at some point in his life, uh, somebody said to him, hey, George, you're doing that all wrong. Let me show you how to do it right. It's a good thing he didn't say, oh, no, I'm doing it right. 
Because had he done that, he never would have been able to build something like this. You see, you're never going to unintentionally become a good Christian. You have to learn to put God's word into practice in your life. And so let's not just be hearers of the word and not doers only, lest we forget what manner of man we are. So number one, condition your heart to receive the word. Number two, condition your heart to respond to the word. And number three, condition your heart to remain in the word. Boy, that's a, that's a tough job, isn't it? Condition your heart to remain in the word, to carry it over from Sunday into Monday all the way through until Saturday, to stay in it. Notice verse 25. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. In other words, here's the guy who puts the thing into practice. Here's the person who says, Lord, you've spoken to me, and I'm praying that you'll help me to obey you. These are the areas in my life that you've exposed as sinful, and so, Lord, I want to yield myself to you. I want to confess that to you. I want to be what you want me to be. Well, when you become that man, notice what he says in verse 25, this man shall be blessed in his deed. When I become not just a hearer of the word, but a doer, I will be blessed in my deeds. I'll have God's hand of blessing on my life. It doesn't mean I won't have difficulty. It doesn't mean I won't have opposition, but it does mean I'll have God's blessings. Do you want God's blessing on your life, young person? Do you want God's hand of blessing on you? Then learn to be a doer of the word. Now notice what he says here. Verse 26, if any among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Now remember how he started off. He said, don't be swift to speak. Be swift to hear and be slow to speak. Now he's talking in verse 26 about a man who cannot bridle his tongue. He has no control over what he says. Every thought that comes to mind, he just spits it out. You ever been around somebody like that? Sure. Have you ever done that? Sure. And, and usually what comes out is not good. Learning to control the tongue, learning to bridle the tongue. And so here we find that if we condition our heart to remain in the word, there is a controlling effect that the word has in our lives. It controls the tongue so that we don't say things that dishonor the Savior, so that we don't say things that destroy the hearts and minds of those we love. May God help us to remain in the word and experience the controlling effect of the word. And then there's the compelling effect of the word. Notice in verse 27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. Now let me tell you, he's writing to a number of people who have been orphaned and who have been widowed because of persecution against the church. People were being killed. Children without fathers, wives without husbands. And he said, here, here they are, and they need care. They need somebody to love them and somebody to look after them. And so the word of God, as it works in our hearts, compels us to love and to look after those in need. And then the last thing we see here is the cleansing effect of the word. The controlling effect on my tongue, the compelling effect on my heart and my hands to show my love to those in need, and the cleansing effect of the word to keep himself unspotted from the world. I need the word of God, don't I? I need to be a hearer of it. I need to learn how to listen to preaching. Uh, if I'm going to do that, i got to put my cell phone away, don't I? Uh, when I was a kid, we, maybe we played hangman or something sometime. 
or, or we sit with our friends and uh, pass notes. Well, now they, we've all got cell phones, and we're so addicted to them. Can't put them down for 30 seconds. They're used to the devil to distract us. Now, I'm not saying cell phones are the devil, but they could be. <laughs> but they're certainly use, used of him, aren't they? Thoughts that occupy our minds that take us away from God's word. We have to learn to lay that aside. We have to learn to lay aside our flesh and our sinful tendencies and the erroneous thinking of this world and the pride of our own hearts, and we have to with meekness receive the word of God. We have to condition our heart to respond to the word of God. I've given you some practical things that if you'll do them, I think will help you. Be a better hearer of the word. And then if you're going to take notes, by all means learn how to keep them somewhere where you can find them. I was preparing for this message, and I was thinking about a sermon that I heard that would have been greatly helpful, and I know I took notes, but I have no idea where they are. Learn how to organize and keep things together. Condition your heart to respond to the word. Condition your heart to remain in it. Let's be people who walk in the word of God, who value biblical preaching and biblical truth. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.